The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from thought leaders who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to address societal topics, and more importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers and specifically the Visionary Game Changers, you are in the right place. Let's get started. The buzz today, on the road again. Okay, you want me to sing it? On the road again. That's as good or bad as it gets. Let's talk. To take advantage of the unprecedented opportunities in the emerging digital economy. And you all, if you're Game Changers radio followers, we talk about this all the time. Well, let's focus on small to mid-sized business owners. If you are there, this is for you. You need to boldly embark on a path to global growth. You can't stay local. You can't stay small. You can't stay myopic. It's a big world out there with lots of opportunity in the digital economy, and we want to help you get there and grow, thrive, survive, be profitable, sustainable, all those good things we talk about all the time. However, there's always a caveat. There can be daunting roadblocks, since we're talking about the path to global growth. There can be daunting roadblocks. These can include complexity, which every company is battling. Simplicity is the goal you're looking for. There can be a lack of transparency. Okay, not so good. And governance and controls can be elusive. These can all get in the way of your successful expansion. So wouldn't it be great if you had a recipe or a route map or a route map, depending on where you come from, to arrive at your destination without a fatal breakdown? Sorry to be dramatic but that's what it can look like if your business isn't going so well. The answer is get fresh. Not with me. Listen up. Fresh generations of ERP are delivering new and improved user experiences in the cloud. Think ERP, think cloud. What can they do for you? Simplify your IT. There's that all-important simplify word. Simplify your access to data and improve your overall business. And guess what? If this doesn't make an impact on you already, Look at your competitors. Are they already in the cloud with ERP? Well, what are you waiting for? I have a panel of three experts who are going to help us do a deep dive today and figure out what your business can do. First up, I'm very pleased to welcome Cindy Jutras, J-U-T-R-A-S. She's the president of a very cleverly named company, at least I think so, Mint Jutras. You can think about that. And Cindy has brought me an interesting, a great quote, actually, from Will Rogers. Those of you who are very young and don't know who he was. I think most of us on the call do know who he was. William Penn Adair, Will for short Rogers, was an American cowboy, 
a vaudeville performer. Look up vaudeville. I don't have time to explain it. A humorist, a newspaper columnist, a social commentator, and a stage and motion picture actor who lived from 1879 to 1935. And here are one of his words of wisdom, this quote, even if you are on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. Cindy Jutras, welcome. How are you, Cindy? I'm very well this morning, Bonnie. Thank you. I'm very happy to have you. Just before we get into the quote, how did you come up with the name Mint Jutras for your company? I love it. Well, you know, Mint, it, I, I wanted to have my name in the, in the company name makes it much easier to do the search and the, and the uniqueness. Um, and think of Mint in one of two ways, either Mint Condition or Minting Money, uh, both of which can, can happen if you're running the right enterprise applications. Cindy, I thought of it in a completely different context. I read Mint Jutras, and I thought of a Mint Julep, and I thought, how refreshing. Well, you know, <laughs> that's the other reason I chose it, because it's a conversation starter. I love it. I th- you know what? We just gave a-, a lesson to small to mid-sized businesses. If you're not married to your company name, think about how cleverly Cindy named her. So enough about Cindy Jutras. What is about the quote? Are these words to live by? Uh, I want you to relate that to our topic today. Cindy, go ahead. Well, you know, Bonnie, we're talking about cloud ERP, cloud being one of the, the key phrases. And my research shows that today there is an overwhelming preference for cloud solutions. If someone were to actually go out and look for a solution today, but we don't see adoption happening at lightning pace. And I believe the reason is because there are so many on-premise solutions out there, many of which are legacy solutions. And quite frankly, often the biggest obstacle to moving to the cloud is simply inertia. So today, staying where you are is equivalent to moving backwards. Very interesting. When you say inertia, are we implying laziness or, well, if it ain't broken, don't fix it, and there's no squeaky wheel here? Inertia or just too much trouble, they think. What's your observation, Cindy? Well, I think that it's more the latter versus the former. Um, But, you know, one of the things that I've always said was that ERP, a lot of people treat ERP like brain surgery. You don't do it unless the patient is dying in terms of replacing it, implementing it. I would prefer to look at it more like joint replacement. If (laughs) When do you replace a hip or a knee? When you can't do the things that you have always wanted to do or when it causes you too much pain. So look at it that way, and that might help you make the decision and overcome that inertia. Thank you very much. Great explanation. You are just full of words of wisdom, Cindy. You're just a pleasure. I, I, I just like the way you talk. Plain speak, to the point, you get it across. Thank you, Cindy. A pleasure to, to meet you and have you on the show today. And let me bring on our second panelist. He is Mark Hopkins, Senior Director of IT at the very famous headphone company, Skull Candy. And Mark has sent me an interesting quote from Benjamin Franklin. Now, come on, everybody in the world must know who Benjamin Franklin is, but I I will tell you, born in 1706, passed away in 1790, he led a pretty pretty long life for those years. Ben Franklin was one of the founding fathers of the U.S. He is a renowned polymath, a leading author, a printer, a political theorist, a politician, Freemason, 
postmaster, scientist, inventor, civic activist, statesman, and diplomat. I don't know if he ever slept. He's probably out busy flying a kite and trying to get that lightning rod to work. Look up Ben Franklin if you're too young to remember, but this is a guy who really lived life to the fullest. And if you say, go fly a kite, he did. Sorry about that. Here's the quote. When you're finished changing, you're finished. Mark Hopkins, welcome. How are you today? I am doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're delighted. Very honored, actually. So, Mark, you picked a quote from Ben Franklin. Is he one of your heroes, or was the quote just pertinent to our topic today? Talk to me. Uh, ben Franklin, actually, I, um, I really like Ben Franklin. I have for a long time. Um, it, he basically is responsible for my love of cycling. How you, uh, why, why cycling, do you ask? Um, the reason I asked. Because, <laughs> Mark, why cycling, um, Mark? In elementary school, I wrote an essay about Ben Franklin and won a prize, and the prize was a bike, and that is basically what started my lifelong love of uh, cycling. I'm a big mountain biker now up here in Park City, and um, so it's a great, great sport, and started early thanks to Ben Franklin. Wow. Now tell me, when you're finished changing, you're finished. Done, kaput, that's it. Does this have to do with the inertia Cindy was just mentioning regarding companies not moving to the cloud? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty simple quote. Basically, it's, um, it's the reality that we're talking about here for a growing company. Um, when you, uh, you know, when you, when you start, uh, start out your company, you're typically uh, going through lots of changes and, and um, you're in a, in, a, in a state of constant evolution and improvement. And really, in those early years, um, you need to make sure that you're uh, experimenting and trying a bunch of different things. And so, of course, there's lots of changes uh, that are involved there. And... Um, as it pertains to cloud ERP, really, when you're, when you're implementing a cloud ERP system or when you're implementing systems to run your business, the thing that you really need to think about is that um, you need to design for that change up front and think that it's going to be changing. So if you design for change uh, and accept that it's going to be happening, uh, you can be a lot more successful because you don't let change uh, get in the way of, of uh, business progress. Thank you very much. And any thoughts about um, what would Ben Franklin say, Mark, if he knew that you were quoting him on a radio show over the Internet, wireless, not sitting in front of a box with a microphone, but on a phone or some other device that's going out over the world, around the world, over the web, and you're talking about him and how he inspired you and you're using his quote. What do you think Ben Franklin would say? Um, I think he'd be curious. I mean, the guy was a naturally curious guy, and he'd probably uh, start digging into the technology that enables all this. I think he would love the Internet, and I, I think he would be very flattered to hear what you had to say about him, too. Thank you, Mark. A real pleasure to have you on. And now let's welcome our third panelist. He is Michael Morell, an old friend of mine from SAP. And Mike's current title, let me see if I can find this. He is part of SAP's partner and SME marketing team with a focus on software solutions for exactly what we're talking about to our audience today, small and medium-sized businesses. And here is the quote that Mike Morell has sent me. It's from Thomas Edison, Thomas Alva Edison, another person who probably never slept, an American inventor and businessman, developed many devices that greatly influenced life around the world, including the phonograph, the motion picture camera, and the long-lasting practical electric light bulb. You light up my life, Thomas Edison. And here's the quote from Mike Morell from Thomas Edison, vision without execution is hallucination. Well, that packs a punch. Mike Morell, how are you today? Bonnie, I'm doing very well, thank you. Looking forward Thanks to for this. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, talk to me. Is Thomas Edison one of your icons when it comes to quotes and a position on life? 
He is. He is. I mean, he was a guy who really continued to think out of the box, uh, was always trying to, to push the envelope um, in, as it related to technology. And I think he just continues to be, after, what, 100 years now, he continues to be sort of that, that, that symbol of what can be done if you just have the, the persistence and the stamina and the drive to, uh, to really make a difference. Okay, and talk to me about, uh, let's ref- reflect back on what Cindy said. Do you think there is an inertia? Any comments on the Benjamin Franklin quote that Mark Hopkins shared with us in terms of vision without execution is hallucination, uh, finishing, changing, making those changes, moving forward, not being lazy, not being okay, it's same old, same old. Any thoughts on that? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we're all talking about the fact that that we we have to continue to to move. We have to continue to progress, and we have to to make sure that that we're not just comfortable where we are, and that we understand that that part of of uh, of quite frankly competing in the marketplace means that you can't stay where you are. You've got to move forward. And so I think I think Edison would have agreed with that, but I think he also would have said that you know you can't just think about what you need to do. You have to figure out how you're going to make it real. And I think, um, you know, he had, a, he had a, a great saying that, you know, he, it took something like 100 different attempts to make the light bulb. And every time he would fail, he'd say, okay, well, I know, I know what I don't need to do next time. And I think he was very focused on this whole idea that, that you can't just have a strategy, that you actually have to get into the details. You have to understand how you're going to execute on that strategy or it simply won't become real. And then you don't get the value that you think you might have or that you want. Thank you, Mike. Very interesting. I'm thinking that every small to mid-sized company started out as what I like to call a gleam in someone's eye, a vision translated into a mission, translated into an organization. And the idea that vision without execution, it's great to have that dream, isn't it, Mike? I want to start a company. I want to have the next best this. I'm going to be the the visionary who starts this particular thing and, and impacts and disrupts this particular industry or this particular product line. But if you don't make it happen... You didn't make it happen. There you go. Thank you, Mike. Let's circle back to Cindy Jutras. I have a very tough question for you, Cindy. What are you drinking today? What's in your cup? And where are you calling from and what time is it? All of the above in any order you like. Well, I'm calling from New Hampshire today, and it's 10 o'clock in the morning, so I do not have my favorite beverage in my cup. Um, (laughs) That would be an evening beverage. So right now I have coffee, strong and black, um, but my favorite evening beverage is a 18-year-old single malt scotch, um, something I fell in love with when I was actually in Scotland. Um, went to an event at a castle, and, and part of that event um, was a, a, everyone got a finger of scotch, the Balvenie, um 18-year-old. And, and I w- happened to be traveling with four other women, none of whom were scotch drinkers. So I certainly couldn't let those other four fingers go to waste, could I? I don't think so. Are we talking B-A-L-V-E-N-I-E Balvenie scotch? I'm looking at it on the on the internet, yes? Yeah. Yep. This is this is good stuff. Yes, yes, yes. You can get it, it at winechateau.com. Single malt whiskey from Speyside, Scotland, the Balvenie. Yeah, the 18-year-old the- stuff is the best. It's the middle... It's the middle price, but it's 
I think is better than the more expensive stuff. Very interesting. Well, thank you to all you scotch drinkers out there. We've just gotten a good tip from Cindy Jutras, and it sounds like she's got four fingers up on this one, not just one one thumb up. She's got four thumbs up. I'm sorry, Cindy. Five. That's that's five. very five, five. All five. Okay. Yeah. The vote. The votes are in. Cindy says, "Go get some Balvany, eighteen-year-old single malt scotch." Thank you, Cindy. Mark Hopkins, you want to share a little beverage preference with us, please? Sure. Uh, so I'm calling in from uh, Park City, Utah. They mm-hmm. eight in the morning here, eight seventeen in the morning, and uh, as you guys probably know, Park City is a big ski town, and um, mm-hmm. we've been having an awesome season this year. I've been actually doing a lot of snowboarding, so I've been doing a lot of apres ski. And when I apres ski, uh, I like I'm a beer guy, so I'm drinking uh, Park City Brewery's uh, Breaking Trail Pale Ale. Uh, can of that it goes down really nice, and it's a local brewery that's uh, been here for uh, a couple years now. And give me the name of that again. I'm just writing this down. I find this it's, very interesting. Uh, the name of the beer is called Breaking Trail Pale Ale. Breaking and, uh, Trail from Pale Park City Brewery. Ale. Thank you very much. That we just did a little a pitch for them. I appreciate that. Eight in the morning. What are you drinking right now? You're not drinking that. No, no. I've got a cup of coffee here. Uh, just plain black coffee from uh, Park City Roasters. So. Another Park oh, City we got another one, Park City Roasters. Okay, very nice. Thank you very much, Mark. Mike Morell, I'm not going to ask you to top this, but can you? What are you drinking? Where are you, Mark? Mike? So I'm out of California. So it's early in the morning for me, a little past 7 o'clock. So I, like the rest of the team, is drinking coffee as black as I can get it to, um, to make sure that I can articulate. Um, but I like the rest of the team also thinking about uh, the end of the day. And um, I'm sort of a tropical kind of guy. And I'm um, probably going to be drinking something called a scorpion. And What's a scorpion that? was actually developed by a guy named Trader Vic back in the 40s. He was oh. sort of a, a mixologist before mixology yes. was cool. Yes. And, uh, and it, you, um, a scorpion's got orange juice, lemon juice, origate syrup, which is this almond-flavored kind of syrup and brandy and rum and uh let me tell you it goes down pretty nice at the end of the day when <laughs> when it's time to sit back and relax well, I remember going way back in the day, going to several Trader Vic restaurants. I, I was at one in New York many times, Mike, and at one in Seattle. My, my, uh, former, my late and ex-husband and I love Trader Vic's in Seattle, and I think we visited in other cities, and I remember the hors d'oeuvres. I wasn't much of a drinker, but I looked up Trader Vic's cocktails right now, and there's a website called foodtimeline.org, and if you put a forward slash traderVic.html, I'm going to just read if I can find this. The scorpion, well, I know that it was. It came up when I did the search. Let's see. I'm going to go back to the search and just read this. It says, scorpion, Honolulu's famous scorpion, a drink which does not shilly-shally or mess around in getting you underway. <laughs> I think that is very, very appropriate. Are there any Trader Vic's still around? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he, But the original one was actually in California, in the Bay Area. Was so, it in really? town called Emeryville. Yeah, my, my right. folks, uh, and they're not exactly young anymore, um, they used to go to Trader Vic's back in the 50s. 
Oh, it was wonderful. I remember the little uh, chicken livers roasted and wrapped in bacon. I can't remember what that was <laughs> called, but oh, that stuff was good. Anyway, was a good. too t- too many good memories. Thank you, Mike, for that. We are speaking today with Cindy Jutras at Mint Jutras, Mark Hopkins at Skull Candy, and Mike Morell at SAP. Our topic is a very serious one, Cloud ERP, Engine for Global Growth. We're specifically focusing on small to mid-sized businesses, but hey, if you're in a bigger company or a smaller company, you're still going to learn a lot from my panelists. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We're going to take a very quick 60-second break. I know, 60 seconds is 60 seconds. It's either not quick, not slow. It's just 60 seconds, Bonnie. Thank you. I said corrected. And we'll be right back with the roundtable. Cindy and I are going to kick it off, and I promise we'll have a lot of interesting information to share. So I'll simply say to my engineer, Justin, out. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. The world is at an inflection point where we capture more information than ever before and are more interconnected. While this has led to technological breakthroughs where new industries have been created, there are still new areas evolving where billions of people can be reached. All it takes is to unlock the transformative power of technological change to improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Meet the Visionary Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Meet the Visionary Game Changers. I'm welcoming today on the show Cindy Jutras, President of Mint Jutras, J-U-T-R-A-S, Mark Hopkins, Senior Director of IP at the famous headphone company Skull Candy. That's all one word if you're looking it up, Skull Candy, and Mike Morell at SAP. And we are ready to start our roundtable. Cindy, I'm looking at the very interesting notes you sent me, and actually everybody did on the panel. Thank you all for your prep work. Very appreciated. Cindy, let's start with the following statement as a good kickoff for our topic. You say unprecedented opportunity brings new challenges. Let me just read a little. Growth aspirations are not new. Growth-oriented companies have been dealing with the challenges of global, complex supply chains for decades now. But innovation, advanced technology, and the Internet have combined to open completely new markets in emerging economies. Cindy, talk to me. Well, Bonnie, I think the the interesting point here is that, you know, in some cases things don't change. Everyone wants to grow. But in the past, people have been satisfied with small incremental steps. And today, people aren't satisfied. Companies aren't satisfied with that. It, it used to be that, that small only very large companies had the ability to, to grow globally and make a, a presence 
in these new emerging economies, but the Internet has really leveled the playing field to the point where even small to medium-sized companies can establish their brand, can level that playing field, and can compete and try to grab for that unprecedented new big opportunity. But if you do that, then you have to be careful of, you know, careful of what you wish for because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you have bigger, newer challenges in terms of some of those things that we talked about in terms of governance and control um, and, and complexity and those types of things. And the systems that you have gotten you where you've gotten today may be woefully inadequate to get you to those next steps. Cindy, I love your comment. Be careful what you wish for. You know, we think of new companies today. It's all in our face, thinking of very small or, or on their way to becoming an SME companies on Shark Tank. I'm a big Shark Tank fan on TV. And they're getting such incredible access to global visibility just by being on the show. But you look at some of them, Cindy, be careful what you wish for, right? They get that access. They may not be prepared. We hear stories in the follow-ups of companies where their website crashes, their supply chain can't handle the incremental growth. They have to move to new quarters. They have to change their mission statement. They have to hire new. So is this the kind of thing we're talking about? Be careful what you wish for. Well, that, that's the starting point, Bonnie, but then the next step, the, those early starting points, you, you pick a lot of low-hanging fruit. You know, mm-hmm. you establish it yourself, you, you grow rapidly, very quickly, but to take those next steps later becomes tougher. Um, and you need to be willing to take some risks after that initial success where you are established small company to take those next steps. You need to take some chances, be willing to fail, but you have to be able to fail or succeed faster. So fail fast and move on to the next opportunity is really key. And that's where the technology comes into play. That's where cloud ERP comes into play because you need to leverage technology in order to simplify, to manage, to control, to reduce the risk and move quickly. And at the same time, if you're small moving to midsize, you probably don't have real deep pockets to build out infrastructure, and you can't afford to take years to implement solutions to run the business. Thank you very much. That's what I was thinking you were going to say, and I appreciate that. Great start to the conversation, Cindy Jutras, Mark Hopkins. Love to have you chime in, and if you want to follow that thread on evolving from small to midsize, go ahead, Mark. Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that Bonnie said, which is a, a good point, is really that cloud ERP um, and the, the arrival of cloud ERP does enable companies to grow in kind of a more structured and controlled way in a, in a different way. In the old days, um, you know, if a company wanted to go international, they might start out, you know, starting a relationship with a distributor or something like that or doing a joint venture. And typically, you know, the accounting and the tracking of all the information uh, for that business is done on a, on a system that's a, that's a separate local system in that uh, in the, that geography, but now with um, the maturity of cloud ERP that we have today, um, a lot of those systems are ready to uh, immediately take on um, international company functionality, uh, you know, dealing with things like VAT, currency conversions, different accounting structures and charts of accounts, and, and all the things that are needed to, uh, to succeed internationally. 
that's all ready to go out of the box. And so the advantage there is that um, not only can, you know, you have that additional international business on the same platform as the, uh, you know, as the mothership in the U.S. or whatever, but, um, you know, it also gives you that, that timeliness and the visibility of the data that you need to make those business decisions, whereas before, you know, historically, sometimes the, the, the growth that's happening internationally is not as well uh, monitored and not as well known because of the, the lags in information and stuff like that that occurred um, when things weren't all on the same system. So I definitely feel um, and agree with the, the point there that the cloud ERP serves the great foundation for, uh, for international growth. Thank you. And that's what we're looking at, that big international word, which uh, global, whatever you're talking about, worldwide, yes, that view, that expansion focus. Mike Morell, love to get your POV on what we've started here. So I think one of the themes we're talking about here is I'm a company and, and I've got to figure out, you know, how I'm going to grow um, in, in ways that I haven't grown before. But I think you also need to take into account as a company is what else is happening around you because those, those factors, um, quite frankly, are going to affect you whether you like it or not. So in addition to, to cloud computing, which we obviously think is a big deal, uh, you know, also you have to think about things like hyperconnectivity, you know, where every consumer and every machine is connected. Um, you know, computing and, and the capability of computing has exploded, and so that's almost, you know, not even a, something you even think about anymore in terms of that mm-hmm. being a limitation. But there's a, a smarter world out there where you've got sensors, robotics, 3D printing, artificial intelligence. That's, that's almost the new normal these days. And so that's going to affect, you know, what happens to you. And then you've got to worry about things like cybersecurity, where everyone wants to steal your stuff. They want to steal your information. And so I, I think as we go out there and we say, okay, I as a business need to think about where I'm headed, you also have to think about all these other factors that you want to take advantage of so that they don't blindside you. Thank you very much, Mike. Cindy, I'm going to roll this back to you. Any thoughts on what your colleagues on the panel have shared on your topic? Yeah, I think, I, I think that actually brings us back to sort of a, another point that, that I raised originally, which is sort of the concept of cloud ERP to the rescue. You know, I mentioned before that, you know, as you're moving forward, you don't, particularly if you're an SME, a small to mid-sized enterprise, you don't have those deep pockets and you don't have the time to build out that infrastructure. But as Mike said, you know, you need this hyper-connectivity today. So, you know, with cloud ERP, you don't have the capital expenditure required to build out a, a data center you you don't even have to put hardware or a huge information staff in uh, IT staff in country as you're moving globally. Um, access anytime from anywhere is actually just a, a natural focus of a or a natural um, result of a cloud solution. So it's conducive to supporting distributed users, bringing up those remote sites remotely very quickly. And as, as Mark mentioned, you know, usually as, as you move forward internationally, you don't necessarily have the same level of control. This puts you back in control even though you're operating a world away or half a world away. 
Thank you, Cindy. Very interesting points. I'm going to look at some of Mark Hopkins' points here. Mark, I'd like to pick up on the thread. Specifically, you talk about enabling international growth. I have some really good tips here. Let me just read a couple, and then I'd like you to expand it. You say, if you're a young company thinking about growing internationally, depending on your industry, you might start by engaging with an international distributor. You also talk about getting, but keeping, as you grow, keeping control of your brand representation, your sales channels, staying close to your consumer. Some interesting points in here. Mark, can you expand for us, please? Yeah, so um, kind of building a little bit on what I was saying earlier around having um, the international entities in the same, uh, you know, in the same ERP as, as the, the corporate ERP, um, that gives, gives really good visibility is, is the main thing um, that you achieve there because the international entities are using the same system and the transactions are all being tracked and, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's, you get much more timely information. Um, the other the other point about international growth um, that bon, that uh, Cindy kind of hit on as well was around um, the ease of implementation and the ease of bringing up international sites. Um, you know, typically, you know, like in my experience here at Skullcandy, we've we've got a couple of different international sites, and they're not huge offices. And the uh, the, the necessity to you know not have a full infrastructure in place um, to run the ERP. Basically, all they need is an internet connection to run it. Um, it makes it really easy to uh, to scale that way, um, and it's also very cost effective. It's just a, it's the licensing cost. There's no capital outlay or anything like that that um, you know that, that you have to to lay out. Um, regarding um, expansion as well, I mean the other thing is um, you can expand to you know if you've got partners or you know rep firms or 3PL logistics uh, warehouses and stuff like that. It's a lot easier to expand into those areas again because you're not installing software you're you're merely pointing them to a uh, to a URL so it's uh, it makes it mm-hmm. makes it very straightforward and very easy to to, uh, to do that expansion what about uh, looking at your notes here what about joint ventures what about um what about the idea of distributors? How soon in your growth? Let's say you already understand the advantages of cloud ERP, Mark, and you've, you've got the infrastructure in place. You get it. You don't have to have, as Cindy said, a big investment in boots on the ground and a data center and lots of people. And as you said, you just point to a URL. What, how soon should somebody look at getting connected to an international distributor. How fast should you be saying, well, maybe we need to be a joint venture? Uh, I'm not looking for the legal ramifications of this, but what would your recommendation be? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, uh, starting with a distributor, you know, if you're, if you're selling products, I mean, starting with an international distributor is a very quick and uh, relatively straightforward path to follow um, to get into an international market. And, um, you know, because typically, a distributor has then the inroads with, uh, you know, the retailers in that market, and it makes it very straightforward for them to, you know, get your products out there. Um, the, the disadvantage of that, obviously, is that um, as a brand, you're less close to your, your customers and your retailers, and so it's kind of an arm's length relationship where you're relying a lot on the distributor um, to be not only your sales force, but also, you know, your marketing and your customer service and all of the other things that, um, you know, as you get to be a, a more, uh, you know, as you as you want to get, um, you know, build out your brand, you want to actually create the, a much closer connection with your consumer um, than you know the consumer or the distributor. And so, um, you know, that, that was my point about maybe starting with a distributor. But at a certain point, you know, when you realize that you want to get into that market and uh, and commit more, 
um, that's when you might go down the path of uh, creating a joint venture or setting up your own uh, legal entity in that market. And, you know, when you, when you go down that path, then you take on all of the, uh, the complexity to do with, you know, the different accounting, any kind of like, uh, you know, legal ramifications that are in that country, um, any kind of special requirements related to uh, fulfillment or supply chain or invoicing and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of details that all of a sudden become your problem mm-hmm. instead of the distributor's problem when you do that. Interesting. Bonnie, do you yeah, mind if I jump in and, and raise Please one do. point here? Please do. Go ahead. Um, it, you know, what Mark's been talking about raises in my mind another element of risk, and, and that element of risk has to do with talent. And I look at talent in this kind of growth phase as two different aspects of it. One is you're getting into new areas here where you know, you don't have any experience in terms of the demand, in terms of the culture, in terms of, of your new business there. So as these emerging economies present this opportunity and you start taking advantage of that opportunity, you're going into uncharted territory. So these joint ventures could very well satisfy that that gap in your own talent and your own expertise. The other element of talent that you have to look at, particularly in the context of cloud ERP, is in these emerging economies, you don't have access to the IT talent and technology savviness that you do here in the U.S., and that's another sort of plus from a cloud ERP standpoint in that you don't need that level of IT talent in-country. Thank you. Mike Morell, we've got a lot on the table here. Thoughts? Boy, we sure do, and this is great. Yeah. Um, a couple of thoughts. One is, you know, we're talking a lot about the fact that you're, you're growing as a company and you're looking at potentially going overseas and looking at all the implications of that. And, and to me, that says, wow, things can get pretty complicated pretty quick if you're not careful. And so I think one of the things that, that as companies start doing this, they, they have to very, be very conscious about making sure that this, comp- that this complexity doesn't bury them, that they really focus on running simple, if you will. And, um, and so it, to, to be able to do that and to take advantage of all these other technologies that we've been talking about, you really have to start talking about reimagining how you do stuff. So you can't necessarily just take what you've done in, in maybe the United States and simply, you know, clone it to what's happening somewhere else. You have to really think about, okay, it's going to get more complicated, uh, but what can I do? How can I reimagine my business so that I can deal with, with these complexities and try to simplify along the way? So, you know, reimagining business processes, reimagining models, even reimagining work, um, you know, becomes really important as you move forward because in the final analysis, what you really want to do is you want to focus on, you know, what are those desired outcomes that I'm going to have and how do I make sure that those happen? Thank you, Mike. Very interesting uh, perspective there. We've been talking about companies as an entity, Mark and Mike and Cindy. We haven't talked about the people behind those. And I'd like to segue off of what Mike Morell just thought about. When you think of reimagining, you think personal, a person, a human being. What does it take to survive? Any any concept from the three of you, any input on who 
will succeed? Who, what, what kind of energy do you get to sleep at night if you're trying to grow your company? Uh, what kind of a team do you need to put around you to have the savvy and the energy and the vision to imagine, envision, and reimagine your company growing internationally and accepting that cloud ERP will help you get there and accepting that you might need a joint venture. Who are these people? Mike Morell, why don't we just get a little a profile of the successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur as companies grow? Just quickly. I know this wasn't our topic, but I think it would be interesting for our listeners to know who, who should be doing this, who is doing this well. Any thoughts, Mike? And then I'll circle around the table. Sure. And so, you know, obviously you have to have someone who's going to think out of the box all the time. You know, Mark has mm-hmm. mentioned, and, and Cindy as well, really, that, that, that change is, is this, this, uh, this, this business process you have to, to, um, to continually to push forward. I think I, another quote that I, that I think of a lot is a, a quote from, uh, from Jack Walsh, who used to run GE, and he used to say that the minute that change outside exceeds change inside, the end is near. And so I think you've got to really look at, at, at what's happening around you and make sure that you're, you're adjusting. And then it's those kinds of people that are going to be able to, to be successful. The other thing that I think you need to, to take into account, and we're talking a lot about uh, different organizations and how you're going to be able to leverage organizations that are technically outside your company to be successful, I think you've got to put tools in place to make that happen effectively. So, you know, there's a, there's a big push now to making sure that you understand where your workforce is coming from and, and the fact that it's not necessarily going to be a, a workforce that, uh, that is a workforce you own. And therefore, you're going to have to have tools in place to manage that effectively. Thank you. Yeah, um, go ahead, Mark. I, let me just, yeah, I'll just go ahead and jump in there and, and kind of build on what Mike was saying. Cause, um, Perfect. In my, my, my view is, is really like a, like a partnership um, between a couple different Groups, right? So, for if we're talking specifically about like international expansion, you need a you need a business expert on the ground in the country or in the region um, uh-huh. that really understands the ins and outs of the business and how things work and what the you know local regulations are, customs, processes, and that sort of thing. Um, when you're using uh, you know Cloud ERP as your platform, that person would typically partner then with uh, an applications expert or an, an IT expert that supports the cloud ERP that knows how to model those things then in the ERP to represent the way that the business is run in that country. And then um, the other thing that, um, that I see a lot is um, getting some assistance from a knowledgeable implementation partner in that region, um, somebody that's gone through and, you know, implemented um, – you know, electronic invoicing uh, with tax authorities or whatever, you know, whatever the local customs are that are needed in those, those areas. So really it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's like a three-way partnership between the, the business people that are responsible for, you know, carrying the brand forward in that region, um, the technology folks, which doesn't necessarily have to be in that region, but they could be like a centralized support group and potentially um, some, some partners to, to assist. Thank you. Very interesting. I, I love the perspective. Cindy, thoughts on what Mike, I uh, started with Mike and Mark jumped in. Cindy Jutras, thoughts on who are these people and what kind of support systems do we need from a human perspective? Well, I, I think what Mike and, and Mark has, have, have both said outlines something that, that Cloud ERP helps you do, and that is walk a fine line between 
allowing people to be very creative, think out of the box, um, be responsive to disruptive business models, etc., and yet not be so creative in some of the other aspects of running a global business. If you have multiple entities around the world, chances are today they don't run completely autonomously. Chances are they need to interoperate between each other, whether it's a manufacturing company and there are feeder plants, whether you have the joint customers across different entities. You need to have some consistency in terms of corporate standards when it comes to tools, technology, metrics, um, reporting, etc. So I think the cloud ERP establishes that baseline so that you don't have people wasting their time spinning their wheels, inventing new wheels where standard wheels are just fine. Let's get on to what actually differentiates us in our business and be creative at those points of differentiation. Thank you very much. Anybody else want to jump in and add to this before I move into something else in Mike Morell's notes? Mark Hopkins or Mike Morell? Anything? Are we good? I think we're good. Okay. Agreed. Mike Morell. Yeah, good. I'm glad. Thank you, thank you, panelists, for indulging my question. I just thought it was interesting to talk about the business aspect separate from the technology because we are talking about people. Yes, we are. Okay. Mike Morell. In your notes, you are taking some information from a recent IDC study, always a good resource, and you say faster-growing companies are further along on the digital transformation journey. There's a clear connection between digital transformation and revenue growth. Fast-growing companies, small and mid-sized companies with 10% or more annual revenue are significantly more likely to indicate major progress toward transformation than slower-growing firms. I'm going to stop there. Mike, tell us more about this research, and then we'll have Cindy and Mark chime in to see if they agree. Well, this, this is a research that we recently conducted with IDC, and what we wanted to understand is, does this digital economy thing, and we've talked a little bit about that today, cloud is a, is a key component of this digital economy, but there's all these other factors that are sort of driving this, this business transformation. Um, and so we wanted to say, okay, so... Uh, you know, obviously, the big companies have a lot of money to spend. Um, you know, we, we know it's a big deal there, but are small companies really getting on the bandwagon as well? And, and clearly, the answer was yes. Um, what we found is that, that over half of fast-growing and small companies are, are actively engaged in this digital transformation, uh, so they clearly see the value. Um, as you mentioned um, just, just earlier, uh, there's a clear correlation between companies that are successful and companies that are, that are moving in this way. And um, there's also a lot of positive attitudes about this digital transformation. So um, all of the fastest growing firms are, you know, are clearly seeing the value and, uh, and the fastest growing firms are the ones who, who are really um, sort of getting on the bandwagon. And, and the message that we really wanted to, to, to deliver and, and what, we, what we really wanted to think about is, okay, so... If, if the fast-growing companies, the ones that are on the, on, on, on the forefront, the ones that are really pushing the envelope, if they're saying the digital economy is going to make a difference to me, then maybe if, if, if you're not really involved in, in this whole thought process around the digital economy and taking advantage of key technologies like cloud, you, you probably should be. 
because, you know, based on what Jack was saying a while back, you know, when the, the rate outside exceeds the rate inside, the, the end is near. So you don't want to be one of those. So, so that was what we found is that, you know, as a summary, you know, fast-growing companies are really getting on the bandwagon as, a, as it relates to digital economy. The other thing we found is that there actually really is uh, uh, a generation effect here. You know, the, the other thing that IDC really looked at is, you know, if you've got leaders that are on the younger side, maybe Generation X, uh, you know, they're embracing this much more quickly than the baby boomers, who are still embracing it quite a bit, but, but some of the firms that are led by uh, what they call the greatest generation, which is, you know, mm-hmm. sort of uh, before that, aren't really moving as quickly as they need to. And so the, the message here is, hey, everyone is moving in this direction. You as an organization need to move in this direction or, um, or you're going to be left in the dust. We don't want to be left in the dust, and that's why we're talking about this. Cindy Jutras, love to have you chime in on this. Thoughts about rates of change and faster-growing companies embracing and speeding along that digital transformation journey. Cindy? Yeah, that, it, it's very interesting. I, uh, I've actually just done some, some research of my own in terms of what I call digital preparedness. And one thing that I found is that most companies, um, actually, my most recent survey is indicating that about two-thirds of the companies I surveyed, about 350 companies, uh, seem to think they're, they're either bring it on, I'm digital, or I'm really close. And yet I ask other questions that that sort of hidden in there that give me a sense of how how digitized they are, how digital their solutions are, their transactions, their a- activities. They're not as far along as they think. So I would say that that all of that that Mike said is great. I agree, and there is a generational impact there. Um, but anyone today that thinks they are all transformed, I would say, you know, it kind of gets back to Mark's original um, quote, when you think you're finished changing, you're finished. No, you know, you have to keep transforming to the point where it's not enough to have a digital record of things. That it has to be automated. It has to eliminate a lot of the personal interaction, the manual interaction with systems. And my evidence is saying people aren't, companies aren't as far along in that as they think they are. Cindy, can I jump in and um, make a comment ahead, there on the on the yes. digital economy? So yeah, when I think about um, you know digital economy. I think about uh, kind of what Cindy was talking about, which is like a lot of integrations, a lot of automated transactions, um, you know, frictionless flow of information through the systems. And, um, you know, this, this point about, um, you know, larger companies having a harder time transform, I think is, is true because of the, um, the, you know, the baggage and the overhead that they've acquired over the, over the years. I mean, companies that have started, you know, 10 years ago or less, uh, you know, typically might have an advantage because they have less infrastructure in place and they can, um, they can move faster. And uh, they may have even kind of, you know, made a, some platform decisions like using cloud ERP from the beginning, which really helps enable, um, you know, making, uh, you know, leveraging a digital environment. I mean, cloud ERP by nature 
um, has to be integratable because you 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 know you're assuming that your uh, ERP system is not in your you know in your four inside of your four walls. So you're going to have to integrate it with things. Uh, you know, simple things like EDI and, and you know, websites and e-commerce and um, uh, purchasing and procurement and all these different things all happen um, outside of the, the ERP and they connect into the ERP and, and sync it up. And so um, I do feel that, um, you know, that's a, that's a big advantage. And, and I think the point around, uh, you know, growing companies really have the advantage because they don't have a lot of uh, excess infrastructure that they have to worry about. Um, transforming or translating to this digital economy. It's kind of already there out of the box. There's the lean and mean. Guess what, my panelists, friends? We are at the point where we're already past the the tipping point to get into our predictions round, the crystal ball, we call it. So I'm going to give you each, ooh, I can afford to give you each about 45 seconds for your predictions, but I think we've been working on those during the entire conversation. So, Cindy Jutris, I love the year 2020. Not sure how far into the future you'd like to predict, but, Cindy, if we met again at any point in the future, cloud ERP engine for global growth focusing on small mid-sized businesses, what do you think will change? Cindy, 45 seconds, predictions, go. I, I think cloud will continue to be a key factor in moving forward, and I think that whatever it looks like in 2020, we haven't thought of yet. Oh, wow. I like that. That's uh, open-ended. That's very interesting. You're going to have to come back and bring your single malt scotch when you come back. I think we'll have a <laughs> – this was a very lively conversation. Can't wait to hear that one. Thank you very much, Mark Hopkins at Skull Candy. Mark, what do you think is coming down the pike? And uh, any – yeah, I was going to ask each of you if we had time, what's next for your companies, but I don't know if we have time. Mark, predictions, 45 seconds, go. Yeah, so I think uh, what's going to be different in 2020 is we're going to be talking less about transactions and less about integration and and less about ERP and people using screens and systems and stuff like that and really having business be um, analytics-driven. And um, we didn't talk that much about analytics today, but I I believe that that is, um, you know, it's core to any business and really having analytics integrated more with driving business decisions and driving business transactions. I think we're going to start seeing that evolve over the next few years. Thank you very much. Good prediction. And Mike Morell. Oh, Mike, they were so brief until, well, we have two minutes left. Okay, I'll give you one minute, Mike, because this was your topic. You set this up, and I appreciate that. So you can get a couple more seconds. Predictions, Mike Morell, go. Okay, Bonnie. So a couple things. Uh, one is, you know, we've been talking a lot about this drive towards simplicity, this, this idea of running simple. And I think that's really important as, as things get more complicated and as companies grow. And then we also focused on this or, or talked about this whole issue of focusing on the customer. I mean, the digital economy is all about the customer. It's all about understanding what you need to do more effectively so that you can focus on what the customer wants to hear and to do. And, and if I think about 2020, um, you know, I think the, the, the how is going to change, but the what really is not. We're still going to have the main drivers, which is the customer. Okay. 
Thank you. Let's see. Well, I have enough time to do my own predictions. Let me scroll down to the bottom of my notes. It was funny. We had some major power outages here in New York last night, a heavy-duty storm. I'm guessing winds of about, oh, about 50 miles an hour or more around 1 in the morning. And as soon as the power came back on, I ran into my office. I opened up the notes for today's show, and I printed all 10 pages on paper, which I haven't done it over here. I'm going to get through this show, and I'm going to have my notes in front of me. And I was emailing it to myself at all my email addresses so that no matter what device was alive this morning if we had no power i was going to be able to do this so i predict that i i predicted well and succeeded and we have the power uh, first of all cindy jutras at mint jutras thank you so much great insights love the energy mark hopkins at skull candy as well and mike morell thank you for putting this together shout out to romana reidinger at sap who is the sponsor uh, along with several other very smart people of game changers meet the visionaries with game changers and uh, christine donato thank you for your tweets always appreciated i'm predicting that this is the end of our broadcast week and that I'll be back next week with oh we'll have a live edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers on Wednesdays 11 o'clock Eastern on Tuesday we will have the future of cars with Game Changers talking about the DNA of automotive of cars very interesting topic great panel uh, you w- don't want to miss that one let's see we also have digital industries changing the game on Tuesday and next Thursday we'll have internet of things with game changers and thanks to Justin and the business channel team I'm Bonnie D. Graham and here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt what are you waiting for go out and be a game changer today have a good one bye bye <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.